presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening everyone, I'm Rick Walker, welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Hello Maverick family. We're at war. We are at war. The government has not told us we are at war. I don't even know if they realize we're at war. We are at war. The enemy is not easily identified. But if you stop and you think, you can see that the battle lines are clearly drawn. If you know how to look at it. And when I say we're at war, I don't mean anymore just an information war. That's a huge part of it. I mean, we're at war. And I don't even dislike the enemy. Unless <laughs> it's us. I will explain tonight what the heck I'm talking about. tell you strange times we have learned nothing from history and those who have learned in my estimation seem determined to repeat it we're at war I'm sorry to tell you folks we don't recognize it here because it has never come here in this way before. And this is dangerous. Also, flash flooding in New York City. We'll talk about that. I have uh, something, at least one thing, that should make you laugh tonight. Brendan sent me a, a little video that I think you'll appreciate. It'll make you chuckle. Because it's so true. The message that uh, it conveys. Uh, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein has passed away at the age of 90. And we'll give you the, uh, the as much as we know, and there isn't a lot of information, but we'll tell you as much as we can about a shooting in Quebec. A man threatened the Prime Minister and the Premier of Quebec. Threatened their lives. And he's been shot tonight. He 
is recovering and faces a weapons charge. We'll tell you about it. Is that related to anything else? Can't say. But I'd say, isn't everything connected? And I would say yes. Everything is connected. All of this stuff is connected. If you don't think (laughs) that this stuff isn't connected, and when I say connected, I mean connected. You think this freedom convoy that's rolling across the country is just about something domestic? No, it's not. It is directly tied to that war in Ukraine. How could it not be? Just days after a Nazi was applauded in Parliament. It seems just far too convenient. Everything is coming together, as it always seems to. Almost like there's someone pulling strings and choreographing things. All of these things just seem to converge. Maybe it's just uh, the Lord working in mysterious ways, negative ways, or maybe it's the devil. Or maybe it's powerful people. Can't say. But in politics... I have found that there are rarely coincidences. Rarely coincidences. And uh, Tupac Shakur. They have made an arrest in their investigation into his murder back in 1996. What a what a show we have for you tonight. What a show. Let's start digging into it. We'll do that right after this. Don't go away. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights. And freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick news. Maverick news. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Let's start with the flash flooding in New York City. What can I tell you tonight? Well, we know that uh, millions are under flood alerts. In fact, in fact, 23 million people in New York, in the New York area, are under flood alerts in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Um, they had uh, heavy rainfall. I guess about four inches of rain fell very quickly. And it has resulted in some pretty incredible scenes. It has uh, created mayhem, all kinds of traffic problems, flooded basements, flooded streets. Here, I'll share some video with you here. Hang on. Pretty crazy stuff. I haven't seen stuff like this in a while. Okay, here's this one. Pretty crazy. Here we go. Let's see this guy. Shoulder deep. This construction site, obviously digging, so the water is pooled into the hole that was being dug with that backhoe. Pretty insane. And then there's this. Yo, yo, take it to one thirty. No. Little jet skiing around the street. I guess. And uh, this guy here, 15 people have been rescued by firefighters so far. This guy being carried. So much for his Jeep. Streets flooded here. Central Park was flooded right out. So you can see it's not flooded up in the uh, in that grassy area there. Well, it's like all wet, and it's pooling down in the lower area. And this area of this street flooded right out, and. Uh, Water swirling down that drain. Everything is about drainage. Look at that. I think the city of New York is uh, is going to need to do a post mortem on this one and figure out what they need to do to get better drainage happening and uh some sea lions escaped from the zoo briefly yeah like fully escaped the enclosure 
because their uh, their aquarium or the big I guess it's an aquarium, right? That they live in. I guess it 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 filled up with water right to the uh, to the brim, and they were able to swim up to the top and just jump out. Yeah, like fully escaped the enclosure. <laughs> Freedom. Freedom. And, the lake uh, is overflowing by a lot. People who don't realize this, this is not normal. Totally not normal. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. And here's some stairs. Flooding. And in what looks like uh, maybe a parking area. This is right in New York. Lying areas that, of course, are getting hit. And here's uh, an area around the airport, LaGuardia. Traffic. Welcome to the Big Apple. It's a soggy day. Nobody, uh, nobody killed so far. No reports of any deaths. So that's good news. These businesses flooded out. A lot of damage. Boy. The, uh, the amount of damage from this. here. Canada geese. Out for a little swim on the street. Well, it looks like it's in the park there. And the stairs. The water's coming right out of the walls in that underground area there. Look at the way the water is going down that, that manhole. Truly amazing.
So yeah, the governor has declared a state of emergency. Here's, here's where those uh, sea lions live. Oops, it flipped. You can see there. And of course, everybody's having a little fun. President and VP go for a little kayak ride. Shops flooded out there. Market. Yeah. Those cars, folks, are toast. Hello, children. Well, you know when you get your license and they say don't drive in flooded water? This is why. You want to buy a cheap car? Hey, if you go on the uh, internet, check the uh, classifieds, I bet you find some next week. New York. Shouldn't buy one of those. After they've been underwater like that, you're going to have trouble. Especially with today's cars and the computers, man. That'll get you. That's NBC. Just NBC and me. Whoa. Pretty amazing stuff. Mother Nature is powerful. He made it. Good for him. Again at the airport. way that this Another angle on that. so that gives you a pretty good indication of what has been going on there in New York And cue the conspiracy theories, or the realities, or the science, <laughs> the climate change folks, who will tell us that this is the result of climate change, or the other side, which will tell us this is the result of man-made weather geoengineering. 
and then everyone will fight. It's a lake. Jesus Christ. Just like last night on the show. It was quite a debate we had at the end of the program last night with our mystery guest caller. Jesus Christ. Joined by audio only when we had our little video conference there. The conversation at times seemed to get a little bit heated, but I thought it was interesting. Climate change, of course, is just one of the many things we discussed last night. I thought it was actually kind of fun. So, you've got the picture, folks. One more. So, a state of emergency in New York. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, we'll move on with today's other top stories right here on the Maverick News Channel. Greetings, brave Mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, donate at freedomreporters.com do it now tomorrow maybe too late too late too late too late maverick news the world is watching so this is a pretty big story that you know, it's sort of from the entertainment world, but it's it's more than that. It's about a murder. It goes all the way back to sort of the, the mid-1990s, Tupac Shakur. And I'm not really a fan of rap music, but I do know that he is an iconic figure in that, in that community. And uh, they have now made an arrest in Las Vegas... in connection with that murder. So, uh, this man, prosecutors say, orchestrated the 1996 drive-by shooting of rapper Tupac Shakur and has been arrested and charged with murder. So, of course, he has not been found guilty yet, but uh, this is, of course, something that a lot of people have waited a long time for, some sort of a breakthrough in this case. His fans, his family. 
And now we're finally getting that. Dwayne Kefe or Kefe, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but his name is Dwayne Davis. Dwayne Kefe D or Dwayne Davis. He's 60 years, years old now. And investigators knew this guy as one of four suspects identified very early in the investigation. Now, he is not the accused gunman, but is described as the shot caller. That's the way authorities described him today at a news conference and in court. So Davis himself has admitted in interviews and in a a tell-all memoir from 2019 that... um, he provided the gun used in the drive-by shooting. So police say that Davis's own public comments revived the investigation by providing police with admissible as evidence. So he was arrested early today while on a walk near his home on the outskirts of Las Vegas. This hours before prosecutors announced in court that a Nevada grand jury has indicted the self-described gangster on one count of murder with a deadly weapon. So the grand jury has also voted to add a sentencing enhancement to the murder charge for gang activity. And so if he's convicted, he could have up to 20 additional years added to his sentence if found guilty. So this is the first ever arrest in the case, and it uh, came more than two months after Las Vegas police raided Davis's home in uh, Henderson, which is near Las Vegas. Items they described at the time as uh, items concerning the murder of Tupac Shakur. So let me see if here we've got uh, I've got this. I think we've got the news conference or a clip from it here for you. Not the whole thing, but a portion of it. A highlight. And yes, here we go. Really decades of work. Hang on. Stupid Uh, audio. Come on of work by the men and women of our homicide section to get to where we are today. Several of those detectives that are standing here with us include Detective Cliff Mogg, the lead detective detective on this case. He is now retired. While I know there's been many people who did not believe that the murder of Tupac Shakur was important to this police department, I'm here to tell you that was simply not the case. It was not the case back then, and it is not the case today. Our goal at LVMPD has always been to hold those accountable and responsible for Tupac's violent murder accountable. Just like we do for every homicide victim in our city, every single victim, every life that is lost is important and remains a priority to this police department. As we methodically built this case to move forward with an arrest, it was also important that at the same time we're building towards a successful prosecution. We work closely with our esteemed district attorney, Steve Wolfson, in his office to ensure that is going to happen. Mr. Davis's own words reinvigorated our case in 2018. 
going to give you some of those details, and I'm going to introduce to you our homicide lieutenant, Jason Johansson, and he will provide you many of the details on how we got here today. Lieutenant. Thank you, Sheriff, and thank you, everybody, for being here today. My name is Jason Johansson, and I'm the homicide lieutenant with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And my goal here today is to walk you through our investigation and what led us to the indictment of Dwayne Davis, also known as KPD, for the murder of Tupac Shakur. This case has been reviewed by our homicide team and homicide detectives for over two and a half decades. And ultimately, our persistence in this investigation has paid off. Let me walk you through a timeline of events uh, that, as we know them right now. Prior to September 7th of 1996, as we all know, Tupac Shakur was an artist who was signed with Death Row Records. And that Death Row Records and its CEO, Marion Suge Knight, were closely affiliated with the Mob Piru criminal street gangs. And that they had an ongoing feud with the Southside Compton Crips. Dwayne Davis was the leader and shot caller of the Southside Compton Crips. And both of these gangs operated out of the Southern California area of Compton. On the night of September 7th of 1996, Tupac Shakur, along with Suge Knight, and members of their entourage, which include members of Mob Piru, came to Vegas to attend the Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Members of the Southside Compton Crips, which included Dwayne Davis, along with his nephew and Oana, were also in attendance at the same event. As both were leaving the fight, members of Death Row Records spotted Orlando Anderson near an elevator inside the MGM, and at that time they began to kick and punch him near that elevator bank. I will now show you hotel security footage, as many of you have already seen, related to this incident. And on this incident, you will see Tupac Shakur, who is wearing a shiny satiny shirt, along with Marion Suge Knight, who is a large man in a brown suit, punching and kicking Orlando Anderson. Following this incident, you'll see hotel security intervene, and then they will leave the area of the fight. Little did anyone know that it is this incident right here that would ultimately lead to the retaliatory shooting and death of Tupac Shakur. Following this incident, Tupac and Suge Knight both left the MGM to make their way to a post-fight party, which was to occur at a local nightclub. At the same time, word had spread amongst members of the Southside Compton Crips of what had occurred inside the MGM. And then that's when Dwayne Davis began to devise a plan to obtain a firearm and retaliate against Suge Knight and Mr. Shakur for what occurred inside the hotel against Mr. Anderson. After Davis obtained a gun, he entered into a white Cadillac along with Terrence Brown, DeAndre Smith, and Orlando Anderson. Based on our investigation, this is where we know they were seated. At some point in time, as they were in the white Cadillac, Mr. Davis took the gun that he had obtained and provided it to the passengers in the rear seat of the vehicle. 
as they were both as they were driving west on Flamingo Road near Koval, they located the black BMW, which was driven by Suge Knight, and in the passenger seat was Tupac Shakur. And as they turned around, they pulled up near the passenger side of that vehicle and immediately began shooting at Mr. Knight and Mr. Shakur. Following that shooting, the white Cadillac fled the area southbound on Koval. And as our, after our officers arrived on scene, Tupac was later transported to the University Medical Center, where he was treated medically and died approximately six days later on September 13th. My homicide section handled this investigation from its onset and for a short amount of time. And within a short amount of time, what we knew was that we were working a gang investigation where our victims, our witnesses, and our suspects were all from Southern California and not local to Las Vegas. Within the first few months of the investigation, our detectives knew most of the information I just briefed you on. However, we never had the necessary evidence to bring this case forward and present it for criminal charges. As time went on, this case had been reviewed multiple times by different investigators assigned to my section, but it wasn't until 2018 that this case was reinvigorated as additional information came to light related to this homicide. Specifically, Dwayne Davis's own admissions to his involvement in this homicide investigation that he provided to numerous different media outlets. In our section, we knew at this time that this was likely our last time to take a run at this case to successfully solve this case and bring forth a criminal charge. It was at that time that this case was assigned to Cliff Mogg, a detective within my homicide section. And over the last five years, this, my section worked closely, hand-in-hand -hand with the Clark County District Attorney's Office and followed a systematic investigative plan over the last five years. We've conducted countless interviews and corroborated numerous facts that were not only consistent with the crime scene on the night of the incident, but also corroborated and were consistent with the sequence of events that night. This ultimately led to us procuring a search warrant which was executed at Mr. Davis's residence in Henderson, Nevada. And following the execution of that search warrant, in close coordination with the District Attorney's Office, this case was presented to the grand jury, which ultimately led to Davis being indicted on charges of murder. Before I hand it off to the District Attorney's Office, I would be remiss if I didn't thank Detective Mogg and all the other detectives that were not only assigned this case and reviewed this case, but all the other detectives from other agencies that assisted us in this investigation. They know who they are, and thank you very much for all the assistance you provided. It does not go unnoticed. And lastly, one of the most important things, in my opinion, is that we need to make this be a reminder that the charge of murder does not have a statute of limitations. This agency has been and is invested in solving our cold case homicides so that we can bring closure to those families and justice for those victims of homicide. And with that, I will turn it over to the Clark County District Attorney, Steve Wilson.
Thank you, Lieutenant Johansson. We'll stick with it for just a minute. Good afternoon, the Las Vegas Clark County District Attorney Steve Wolfson. It has often been said, justice delayed is justice denied. It's a quote we hear often and for many, many years when talking about our legal system, but not in this case. Today, justice will be served in the murder of Tupac Shakur. I'd like to acknowledge the relentless work of the many Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department homicide detectives. We've mentioned Detective Cliff Mogg many times, and we can't mention his name enough. He is the detective, along with his colleagues, that brought this case here today to you. A Clark County grand jury has indicted Dwayne Keith Davis with one count of open murder with use of a deadly weapon with a gang enhancement. Davis will appear in court in the next few days or so for a hearing to determine his custody status and to set a jury trial date. This grand jury has been receiving evidence for months and has determined there is sufficient evidence to justify the filing of this criminal indictment. I've assigned two of my top prosecutors, Mark DiGiacomo and Banu Palal, to prosecute this case. I know a lot of people have been watching and waiting for this day. Tupac Shakur is a music legend, and for a long time, this community and worldwide have been wanting justice for Tupac. Today we are taking that first step. Tupac was actually quoted as saying, death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside while still alive, never surrender. Well, we didn't surrender thanks to the great work of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department under the leadership of Sheriff Kevin McMahill, Lieutenant Johansson, Retired Detective Cliff Mogg, I am proud to announce the return of this document. This is the indictment we've been waiting almost three decades for. It spells out the facts and circumstances and what justifies a Clark County grand jury in returning an indictment. Justice will be served. Thank you. It was a long time coming. Okay. All right, let's take another quick break. I'll get the rest, uh, some of these other things queued up. It won't take me but a moment, so don't go away. I'll have more right after this. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Tis the season for colds, flus, and COVID. And I am saddened to bring you this news tonight, but in some places, mask mandates are returning. 
in British Columbia, Dr. Bonnie Henry, BC's provincial health officer, and Adrian Dix, the provincial health minister, have announced new safety measures in healthcare settings uh, of October 3rd. This will include mandatory masking in patient care areas, long-term care homes, and assisted living facilities. Dr. Henry uh, also provides here for us an update on the state of respiratory illnesses in the province and also has announced the launch of the province's full vaccination campaign, which begins October 19th. So I'm sure you're all thrilled to hear that. And uh, they also have some plans to add more hospital beds to healthcare facilities. But the big news here, the mask mandates and the big government push to get your boosters. Here they are. Medical masking will become a requirement again. Continuing medical masking by health care workers, visitors, freezing up, uh, return to work guidance, and uh, know what to do with that. Increased hand hygiene, increased um, cleaning, what we call respiratory etiquette, you know, making sure you cough in your sleeve, clean your hands regularly, and the ambassadors will be back at the doors of the entrances to healthcare facilities and to long-term care homes to, to do the active screening and make sure people have access to masks. And finally, um, medical masking will become a requirement again, continuing medical masking by healthcare workers, visitors, contractors, volunteers, inpatient care areas. So really focusing on those areas where people are at risk. And that includes all health authority, hospital, clinical settings, all long-term care homes, seniors' assisted living settings, private hospitals, and private mental health facilities. We are trying to find a balance, particularly in long-term care, of finding safe times for visitors to long-term care to have that important face-to-face contact with their loved one in a safe way. So visitors to long-term care must wear a medical mask in all common areas and when participating in any of the indoor events that are happening. Um, But we're finding opportunities for them to have um, FaceTime with your loved ones um, as well. We know how important that is for the health of residents in long-term care homes. So that's a summary of what we're seeing. Um, So really uh, important, get up to date on your vaccinations. Expect to wear a mask if you're in a hospital or a healthcare setting in the next few months. And that's the best we can do to protect each other and to make sure that we can slow down and Um, decrease, minimize the impact of these viruses on ourselves, on our communities, and on our health care system. It was supposed to be two weeks to flatten the curve. And I've lost track of the time. I grow weary. I've lost track of the time. So much time, time 
is uh, I, I hate change, but the more things change, the more things stay the same. Such is history. Where do I begin with all of this tonight? Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I'm, I'm going to push all this convoy stuff, all this Nazi stuff, all this war stuff. I'm just going to kick the can just a little further down the lane. We'll come to it in a moment. Let's, 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 let's finish up with some of this other news of the day first. U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, Democrat, elected to the Senate back in 1992 in the year of the woman, and she has passed away at uh, the age of 90. She died last night at her home in Washington, D.C. The President, Joe Biden, calls her a pioneering American true trailblazer, and a cherished friend. Not on my side of the political aisle, but she was a fierce fighter. What else do we have tonight for you before we get into the, the heavy stuff, the heavy lifting? Just want to make sure I clean up all this other stuff here first for you. Because we're going to get into some, well, some nitty-gritty, heavy-duty things. I think we've got the, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got it covered. Okay, so, let's get into this. We went through the whole storm. And Tupac, Okay. Where shall I begin? You all know that, uh, well, last night, yeah, we had uh, Jeff Evely from V4F, Veterans for Freedom On, and uh, they issued a joint news release warning people about this Save the Children convoy. They say they have safety concerns. They say that it uh, may not be peaceful. So I'll show you again the media release that they put out. Here it is. And I'll read it to you. So this is from Police on Guard for Thee, Mama Bears, and Veterans for Freedom. Police on Guard... Veterans for Freedom and Mama Bears are aware of a convoy that has started to travel across Canada. Information received has led us to believe this may not be a peaceful protest. This is very concerning to police on guard, Veterans for Freedom and Mama Bears, and is not supported by our organizations. We will always support legal peaceful protests, which is our fundamental right provided by our charter. We cannot, nor will we support actions that aim to undermine our democratic and judicial process. So, I would say, 
Those guys should be taken seriously. They're serious people. They are thoughtful. They think before they act. And I think when they issue a release like that, it carries some serious weight. And their statements honestly echo mine. Or maybe mine echo theirs. Either way, I'm in agreement. But they're not giving up. They are not giving up. And uh, I understand why. People make their own choices. But there is this story tonight as well, and it is not clear if this is related to the convoy at all. There's nothing that has come out yet uh, in terms of media information, police information, any evidence of any kind to say that it is directly or even indirectly related to the convoy. However, a man in Scottstown, Quebec, was shot by Quebec police. This happened very late Wednesday night, almost kind of into Thursday morning, yesterday morning. Um, I guess actually it was about five, sorry, it was around 5 a.m. on Wednesday. This story has really received very little media attention, which to me, really strange. Very, very strange. Um, why has this story sort of been pushed down? It, it feels like it's being suppressed. In any event, what happened here is provincial police were, were, were made aware of this suspect. And this guy's name is Germain LeMay. Now, very difficult to confirm who this guy is on social media. I think some of the stuff that he posted, uh, what he did post, I think has been taken down. So it's been purged. So I haven't been able to find much on him. Nobody out there seems to have anything on this guy. If you do, you can send it to me, and I'll take a look at it. And if it's uh, accurate, we can, we can share it here on the show. But so far, I've not found any images of this guy. He did appear in court via video, um, link, I believe, again today. In any event, he was shot after making threats against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Quebec Premier Francois Legault. So police went to a residence in Scottstown, Quebec. They went there to make an arrest. One officer saw through a window that the suspect was holding a gun. So when they entered the home, police say the man pointed this gun at them, and then police opened fire on him, wounding him. So Scottstown is about 200 kilometers east of Montreal, and maybe more, and just for a additional um, reference, it's located, what is it, about four hours? I'll bring up a map here. 
I think it's about four hours from Ottawa. And here I'll show you on the map where it's located. Right there. Bingo. Come on, get up there on the screen. All right. So this is where he's located. So you can see here, we'll zoom out. There's Sherbrooke. Montreal's way over there. And again, about four hours from Ottawa. And we zoom in here. There's Scottstown right there. Just so you have some reference. Small town. So the Premier's office issued a brief statement saying that making any kind of a threat against a public official like that is unacceptable. And politicians in Quebec also expressing concern about increasing numbers of threats against public officials, politicians. Makes one wonder why. And I think we touched on maybe one of the main reasons last night, and I think social media has a lot to do with it, mental illness and politics. And politics. Now, we don't have the details on this case. We'll have to wait, I guess, until this thing goes to court. At which time, when the trial begins, then the evidence will come out. No doubt the judge will impose a publication ban. I don't think that there's anything really sinister about that. It's a matter of routine. It has been for years for judges to, in the initial stages of... of um court proceedings to impose publication bans. But when it goes to trial, then the evidence can come out. But in order to ensure a fair trial, they usually impose a publication ban during arraignments and and the series of court dates that take place between now and, and the trial. So we don't really have the information to share with you this evening on uh, exactly what the particulars are surrounding this this case. But it is interesting to see that it happens right now that he made threats against the Prime Minister and the Premier. All this happening when all this other craziness is going on in our country. A Nazi in Parliament. Another convoy rolling across the country. Save the Children Convoy. Why are they doing it? Oh, is it just to save the children? Well, it, it seems like the, the reasons vary depending on who it is you talk to. A uh, number of organizations involved, save the children, that concept is at the core of it. They're making it clear or trying to state that it's not connected to the million walk for children that just took place. And, you know, I have, uh, I have heard the cryptic language, but they, you know, where they kind of say that this time they're, they're not going to turn, they're not going back. They're not going to, they're not going to give up. They're, uh, how do they put it? This time, 
They're not standing down. They're going to hold the line no matter what. That's what we keep hearing. And yet at the same time, they keep saying it's peaceful. So a number of organizations kind of emerging now as being involved, and one of those is Stand for the. Uh, they had a news conference last night, at, and um, they're how, how involved they are, not really clear, but they do have this Zoom meeting that they published publicly to bring people up to date on the convoy, and they had um, this person from the organization Bridges to Freedom on to talk about it. So let's just show you what they had to say last night briefly to give you an idea of where they're, what, what the objective is here in, in their minds. Let's see if we get that up on the screen here for you. Stand for the, they provide, well, legal advice to people. Yes. Okay. So thank you so much, Shay. Thank you so much for your patience. Truly appreciate it. Um, so as Shay mentioned, I was going to come on here and talk about some stuff that's going on with Stand for Thee. It's been a, a wild, wild, a wild, wide of a week. And so where we are today is we're talking about Convoy 2023. We've got Norm Blanchfield on here. We've got Byron Carr, Bridget Belton, Jane Scarf, and V. Gandhi. And I'm going to hand it over to, uh, to Norm in just a quick second because I know Norm has a time crunch. Um, but really, uh, what the message is with this convoy is Trudeau for treason. We have seen, there's just, the evidence is overwhelming. We know that the crime is there. The truckers were victims in the, in the Emergencies Act that was declared. Many of them were harmed. Many of them were harmed before the Emergencies Act was declared, which is why they were in Ottawa in the first place. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to hand it over to Norm. I just, I just want to add one more thing. Um, this is, uh, intention to save this country, which yes. also means we're wanting to save the children. It's part of mm. it. This is how we do it. We save our country and our children are protected. Our rights are protected. Our constitution's protected. And going forward, we remain an autonomous, sovereign country. And remember, folks. This is the, the and remember, folks. This is the type of country. For example, if you if you were growing up in I don't know the seventies and the eighties, maybe part partly in the nineties, and you you liked a little bit better what was going on then than now. <laughs> therefore, we need to really deal with this so that we can have um, lives, as Jane was saying, and of course Rebecca, sovereign lives, an independent nation that has civil liberties already in place. All right. So of course we want to bring in Norm then. Am I right? Norm Blanchfield. Am I saying that name right? I believe I am. I'm meeting Norm today for the first time. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing his perspective, uh, perspective, excuse me, and what he has to offer to this, uh, to this meeting. So Norm, take it away, bro. And he's, he's one of the originals. He was in the original 2022, and he was in Rolling Thunder, and he's been embroiled in in um, litigation over the conflict, over over the charges with the Rolling Thunder. Lost his truck; it's in storage since June 2022, and he refused to take a deal. And he's hardcore. That's 
are hardcore serious about maintaining the civil liberties in this country, which includes not only freedom of speech, but our freedom to protest against inappropriate and illegal mandates, for example, trying to force something into our necks or our butt cheeks that we don't prefer. Okay, so we don't want any kind of we have medicinal um, and informed consent. We have medicinal privacy, and that's the kind of stuff that I think that Norm was fighting about. So, and, and fighting for, if you will. So, please, Norm, take it. Okay. So, for, first of all, I want to say for um, I just want to say, you guys, I'm not perfect bilinguals, so I'm going to try my best so you can understand what I say. So, take your I'm time. Norm from Bridges of Freedom. Like uh, James just said, they explained good about me, so I'm not going to explain explain again. But we, you want to talk about the convoy? I'm going to talk a little bit about the convoy. Yes. So the convoy is not a group that organized the convoy. There's no group organized the convoy. This is about the people. It's the people who stand up. And every people make their own convoy to stand up. So they don't have organizer to that. We're just the voice. Where a voice is loud, we're bringing our voice everywhere because we need to do it. Sorry, I'm just going to start a guitar so we have light. So we're there, we're here all together. We talk with people all across Canada. All right, so we're all on the same page. And every one of us, they put our heart on it because we have children. We want to protect our resource. We want to protect our, our country. It's time to do it shoulder to shoulder. No matter what the, the, the problem we have and uh, each other, every, every group and every people, we have to put that on the side and be all together and fix our problem. And I know they have a lot of people that work hard to to be able to keep the kids at the, at home and don't go to the school. But this is very hard because a lot of parents, they take the, the school like a daycare in the same time. So they go work and they can bring money to feed their kids. But if you think about it, they have a lot of people that are going to bring their kids at school. So what we should do to protect those kids, the, 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 the parents that don't have the choice to bring that to the school. We have to protect the school. So mm-hmm. that's why we have to fix the, the problem with government right now because the government, they're not there for, for uh, the good thing for our kids. So it's a, it's belong to us to stand up like a parent, like a Canadian, and proud to be Canadian because we're going to stand up and protect our children and protect our resource and protect our, our land because it's our land. And so if I'm understanding you, Norm, if I'm understanding you just for clarity, I think what you're saying is for example i happen to homeschool my children however i think you're taking like-mindedness with me that just because i prefer to homeschool my children doesn't mean that i don't want our public system to function properly i want it to exist i'm happy to pay taxes towards it but it's supposed to be functioning properly so if i i want the choice to be able to homeschool my children or if you know next year i say hey i want to take my children to the public system i want to be able to do that and do that safely and that's what you're talking about you're saying hey it's a great thing if you want to homeschool but not everybody can do it and hey even people who homeschool maybe they only want to do it or can do it for a few years so let's have that option available to be able to go to the public system but make sure that the public system is functioning properly and morally for our children i think that's what you're trying to say yeah you said it better better than me uh thank you no no problem keep going great so the the, the, the convoy they start for save the children but when we talk about save the children it's not just about the children the children they they have to be saved for the resource we have and we give everywhere, we sell everything everywhere, and we have, we have everything we need in Canada. 
to have a good life. And I don't say we don't have to share. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to keep our resource and we need to protect our resource because now they don't use it good. And if they continue to do that, to do it, sorry, it is not protect our children for their future. So we have to think for the future. So we need to live them a nice country. So it's all about that. It's all about the children. So everything, it's about the children. So what you're saying is on that, if I'm understanding you, is is like, okay, if we protect our children now and we protect the resources of our country. And by the way, I think what Norm is saying here is the amount of resources that Canada has is through the roof. Okay, we've got a lot of land and we've got a lot of variety in this wonderful land that we call Canada. And I think what Norm's trying to say is, so in order for us to truly take care of the children, they actually have to have a future and a sovereign country. And therefore, we have to take care of that. You can't disconnect it. These are not two separate pieces. It's how do you, oh, I'm going to protect the children now. Yeah, but if in 12 years from now... <laughs> They're under tyranny. Well, then you didn't really protect your children because now your 10-year-old is 27 and has huge issues. So what I think Norm is saying is, is that it's all part of the same bag. So it's a wonderful nation with great resources, and it should be acting like it and running like it. And our representatives, whom we hire and I'm going to use the word hire, we hire to represent us, yep. have to always work in the best interest of the citizens of the nation, nation Excuse me, so that when our children become adults, they have wonderful opportunities not only for themselves but for their children. And that's the idea yeah. I think that Norm is trying to get across. Am yeah. I accurate yeah. on that, Norm? Dave. Exactly, exactly. Okay, okay. Dave, and then, Dave and Norman often say the reason they're doing the work that they're doing, and they do a lot of work. Both of them do a lot of work. The biggest motivation is so that this country is protected for their children. So they're doing uh, work to protect rights. Norman won a case with the, with the Bill of Rights that we're all excited about because it was on the record. He wins freedom of speech. And right now, today, he's able to express the concern that we have because he's got his right from freedom of speech. And he only has that because he fought for it. And now that's been great inspiration. As a matter of fact, this morning, somebody said, oh, that Bill of Rights is no good. What good is that? It never wins. And I said, well, it won three times in the last two months. And they said, out of how many times? And I said, four. It won three times out of four. So that's right. pretty good, like well, in terms of the whole court case, right? Like they have four court cases right. using it as. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So what the heck are they say? What it saved the children. Save our resources. Trudeau for treason. What's this other one I scribbled down here? Protect our rights. There were some other things. So, did, all right. Uh, and then there's this. They put this out. This is uh, a release from 
bring this up here. There's a it's a notice to the RCMP that they've sent out. Believe it or not. It says uh, trucker convoy 2022 follow up to RCMP RE Trudeau for treason. So I guess this is what the convoy is about too. So in January 2022, we took our trucks to the streets of Ottawa to protest the Freedom Convoy 2022 against the COVID vaccine travel mandates. We know that. We protested because we were alarmed by the reports of vaccine injury and death and because our livelihood was adversely affected by these new draconian cross-border laws. The convoy was peaceful, lawful, protest, vax mandates. Trudeau shut us down by police force. We are now returning to demand that the RCMP arrest Prime Minister Trudeau for treason because of his unlawful violent vaccine mandates and his unlawful use of force to break up the protest. So they, yeah, so Jane Scarf is demanding that the RCMP arrest from Stand for Thee wants the RCMP to arrest the Prime Minister. In February 2022, the police and the coots, I'm sorry, the courts found our protest to be peaceful. Also, CSIS announced that the convoy protest did not meet the standards of a national security breach required by the Emergencies Act. Regardless of the evidence of our peacefulness, well, Trudeau illegally declared a national emergency, issued counterfeit regulations, yeah, and brought, and brought in armed police, many of whom could not be identified as Canadians, to shut down the peaceful protest by force. <sighs> yeah. All of the vaccine mandates resulted in aggressive treatment of citizens and were implemented and enforced with deliberate violence. She keeps referring to regulations as counterfeit. Everything the government does is illegitimate, see. Violated our constitutionally protected rights and freedoms, which are protected in the preamble of the Constitution Act, implied Bill of Rights. Furthermore, under Section 35 of the Constitution Act, which protects rights of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis, rights were also violated. And moreover, the Bill of Rights Section 2 requires that all regulations be vetted for their consistency with the CBR. All these required procedures were ignored. The unlawful vaccine mandates and actions towards us for protecting were taken in conspiracy with foreign powers, the World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, and United Nations. What makes this action treason is one, conspiracy with foreign powers, two, undermining parliamentary process, and three, violence was used to undermine the Canadian sovereign, that is, the people. So she's saying the sovereign, the Canadian sovereign, is the people, not the king. To support our protest, Stand for Thee, S4T, the grassroots organizations whose mandate is to lawfully defend our rights and freedoms has prepared a police incident report for us with evidence that proves treason by Trudeau. 
The link to the incident report is here. So I guess this is not really a release from Jane Scarf, but she wrote this addition to it for them. And then it looks like it has been posted. Yeah, she said she shared this out or posted it on her Facebook page. And she's with Stan for the, she says, let's share this out to all those who supported the truckers. As a safeguard against future abuse of power and by the governments, we need to use our right to jury for all claims made against us. A jury has the right not only to hear and decide on the guilt or innocence, but they can also notify the law if they find it unjust. Had juries been provided for any mandatory vaccine charges, more likely than not, the jury would have nullified these laws. And later, juries for the convoy charges could have also dealt with government overreach more effectively. Note, surveys found 70% of people did not agree with the invocation of the EA against the truckers. The history of this right to jury started with the Magna Carta in 1215. The Magna Carta's intent was to prevent the king's domination of the court. Uh In parallel with a grand jury investigation to indict Trudeau for treason, the RCMP must open an RCMP investigation into the egregious rights violations and deliberate violence against his own citizens in conspiracy with foreign powers. So I guess that's also what the convoy is supposed to be about. But what's, where's it all going? What is it? Well, then there's this guy over here. This is from Hammerhead Garage. He posted this. Here's what he's saying about it. And I know that... Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. People have it in their mind that we don't have that right. I'm here to tell you we do have that right. I'm here to tell you we do have that. For some reason, people have it in their mind that we don't have that right. I'm here to tell you we do have that right. And we don't get it from any piece of paper. All right, we're born with it. You can't turn our rights into privileges because they're our rights. We're born with those rights. They're not something that's written on the charter or written some other place. That's a bunch of nonsense. So if there's any violence happens on this convoy, we didn't start it. And you're hearing it directly from me, okay? People are traveling People are on the move right now. It's going to be bigger than anything you've ever seen, guys. I'm telling you right now. The people in this country, this landmass known as Canada, have had enough of this nonsense. We're not taking it anymore. Okay? We will not take this any longer. So please support us. Because this is not just about 
this landmass known as Canada. It's about the world. It's worldwide. It's going to be worldwide. When people see what goes on and the courage and the strength of people standing up, it's contagious, guys. Just like the truck convoy was contagious. Don't listen to the naysayers, okay? We're not an extreme right group. We're not a this. We're not a that. We're men and women, and that's all we are. Grassroots come up from the country. We came up from the country. Okay, we sprung up from the ground. That's where this came from. This has nothing to do with LGBT. This has nothing to do with the other convoy. This has nothing to do with V4F or any of those other groups. This has nothing to do with Marcus Ray. This has nothing to do with any of that stuff. This has to do with a bunch of men and women in this country that are not going to sit around and let a bunch of Nazis, because what else are they? They're even letting them in the parliament now. Control us any longer. Isn't that interesting? Or the direction this country takes any longer. And we have that right. Isn't that interesting? So now they're fighting the Nazis. In their heads. They want you to fight the Nazis. But wait a minute. I thought they were the Nazis. That's what the government kept telling us, right? And so when the Million March for Children was happening, you had the anti-fascists or anti-Nazis out in the street fighting people, pushing against freedom fighters who are supposed to be Nazis but now you've got the Nazis fighting the Nazis? Hmm. Kind of weird, isn't it? Seems very strange to me. Now, is Christian Freeland a, a Nazi? Mm -hmm. Is the Prime Minister a fascist, a Nazi? Ask some communists. They'll say, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Nazi. They don't want him. <laughs> I say he's a globalist. So I say he's like a, a neoliberal, communo-fascist Nazi. Maybe Nazis come in various shades. But it seems now what we're going to end up with is one group of people that the media and one side has painted as a bunch of Nazis fighting the government and the establishment, which are now also being painted as a bunch of Nazis. We saw this past week in Parliament, and let me see if I can find this for you, this guy, Yaroslav Hunka. Where'd you go? 
honored uh, in Parliament. And, of course, we saw all 338 members of Parliament stand and applause, applaud, along with dignitaries during Volodymyr Zelensky's visit when he arrived in Canada and out looking for money and walked away with another $615 million. For this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Zelensky's speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Zelensky's speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. And that reporter also doing the report and saying, and there was also an applause for this man. Uh, the reporter didn't get it either. <laughs> Obviously. For the CBC, the government-funded state broadcaster, it just, I mean, she's writing the script. She had time to figure it out. And you would think that the editors back at the CBC would also vet the script, but that's a sidebar. And it appears they missed it, because if you listen to the way that's scripted, it's all very positive. So the state broadcaster, government-funded, not only saw it happen, but then took the recording of it, edited it down, added narration through scripting, and didn't understand that this guy was a Nazi. So I'm going to run it one more time. Zelensky's speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Okay, that's a nice way of saying it. So anyway, that happens. Now, because of that, it seems we've got... Well, now, now, of course, everything starts ramping up, right? So, of course, we have Canada's political opponents, other countries, competing countries. Let's just face it and, and say it for what it is. You've got, you've got Russia. You've got uh, China. India, the BRICS nations, lining up to uh, post all kinds of stories about this now and, and do further investigation. And as a result, it isn't just one, one Nazi in parliament. The whole government is Nazi. And in the eyes of the world, I think Canada is now viewed or at least they've tried to paint Canada as the new Nazi Germany. Yeah, I think it's that serious for some people. Now, it, you know, Canada uh, make, might get, uh, some people might cut us some slack from some of our allied countries, but there's a real serious effort underway to paint this entire country as the new Nazi Germany, full of Nazis. We're just a bunch of Nazis. Well... 
I don't quite, I don't think that's quite accurate. But yeah, Canada does have some old Nazis here, have had for a long time. A lot of other countries have too. I pointed that out the other night. But right now, Canada's getting kicked pretty hard. And you know, I say it's still Justin Trudeau's fault and also the fault of... um, the fault of the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland. We're going to focus a little bit more on her tonight. We've been uh, focusing a lot on JT, but Christian Freeland, Deputy Prime Minister, direct ties to Ukraine, family, right? Grandfather, Nazi soldier. Uh, we showed you the picture a long time ago when that conflict in Ukraine started, holding that uh, Nazi banner. Banderites. Well, here she is being asked about how many Nazi soldiers might still be in Canada. And uh, she's very uncomfortable with this answer. Listen to the way she responds. Uh, there are calls by Benny Breath to reopen a report by the Duchesne Commission so that Canadians can know how many veterans who fought with the Nazis are here in our country. Um, will the government do so, and what is your response to that? I think, you know, let, let me just start uh, by reiterating, and I don't think it can be said too many times uh, how hurtful for so many people in Canada and around the world uh, what happened was and has been and continues to be as uh, MPs in our capacity as MPs uh, it's important for appropriate next steps in the House to be taken, and I think that is our immediate focus. And as a government, we're going to be very thoughtful about any further steps that need to be taken. Obviously, with the hand wringing, very, very uncomfortable. And then you've got this stuff going on, which, you know, fair enough. Ramp up the propaganda. Every country engages in it. Uh, So we know that Russia issued, (laughs) they put this picture of a, a fake stamp with Yaroslav Hunka on it says, heroes don't die. We showed you that last night. There's, there's the propaganda that's, uh, that's coming out of uh, Europe. And uh, that's supposed to be a Ukrainian stamp. <laughs> it's fake. 100% fake. But it's made to look like uh, he's being glorified, right? As a hero. That's why I said yesterday he's world famous now, and he is. He's absolutely world famous. 
And so while all this is going on, we also have increasing tension between Canada and India, right? And, uh, and then I got to thinking about what Jeff Evely said last night. What if our prime minister is working for the other side? Do you remember when he went to, to India and he was dancing? Let me show you. See if I can pull this up here. I was thinking about that. Oh, I had it here. When he was dancing, dancing. Hang on, you know what? Let me take a quick break. You're gonna, you're gonna want to stick around for this. You got, you got to stay with me. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Fear not the storm. For truth is on our side. Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News, the antivirus program for your mind. I'm back. Okay, so let's, I'll just take you in and show you briefly what this was about. So he went to India, and it was just uh, an absolute international embarrassment. And, uh, yeah, here's, here's how it went down, folks. The proof of how Indian... And the newly anointed Canadian Prime Minister really is ours after Justin Trudeau swept the polls in Canada. A video has emerged of the 43-year-old dancing to Bhangra beats at an event in Montreal. The video was shot much before he became Prime Minister. Apologize. I was, I'm getting my facts a little bit twisted around because this is from the past. But uh, so there was that video which embarrassed him, embarrassed the country, and then he did go to India. And because of the way he was dressed, it was like cultural appropriation, and he was dressed in Indian um, 
very formal outfit and people thought it was completely inappropriate the whole the whole visit turned out to be a public relations disaster for Canada and then I got to thinking about what Jeff Evely said and I thought what if the guy is doing this stuff on purpose <laughs> a little bit of a sidebar I but honestly what if he's actually trying to sabotage everything on purpose that bad um but there you have Christian Freeland, direct ties to Ukraine, a lot of questions about her family's background with Nazi Germany. You have this Nazi in Parliament. Now you have this convoy rolling. You see, all these people have been accused of being Nazis. Now you have Nazis. I mean, in the, I'm not saying that people are Nazis. What I'm saying is now, in the minds of people, you have Nazis fighting Nazis. Then this group of Nazis is fighting that group of Nazis, and vice versa. You have the trucker Nazis fighting the government Nazis, and the government Nazis fighting the trucker Nazis. I'm not exaggerating. This is like, how did that happen? Well, I guess when you have a, a giant PR campaign, propaganda machine that kicks in and, and a public and a, and a political disaster like we just went through, the entire country, which seems to have some sort of cri identity crisis anyway, because we are so diverse and we're so quick to shoulder blame and engage in self-flagellation that uh, that it's like it, it's almost like Canadians are so polite that when they're called a bunch of Nazis we just roll over and say yeah I'm so sorry but it's not me it's those guys over there or whatever it is it's just it's everybody's confused and we're all fighting it makes no bloody sense, except that if you really look at this, what you're you're witnessing is a uh, a, a strange. This is like fifth generation warfare. That's what it is, in my in my estimation here. And as I said at the beginning of the program, it seems like people who have learned from the past are determined to repeat it in order to get what they want this time. It's like people don't want peace. They want to fight. That's why we're seeing, I think, you know, all these old wounds opened. We're going back to World War II. We're going back beyond that, you know, 80, 70, 90, 100, 200 years in history to find things that people can point fingers at and say, look what they did. I am not exaggerating. And they brought it here to Canada. Because 
we brought some of it here after World War II. And we continue to bring people here from all different countries. It wasn't just soldiers who fought in World War II for the Germans or for Ukraine under German command. It was, it's been people from Iran. It's been people from Syria, from Poland, probably every country on the face of the planet. We have people here from everywhere. They're not all Nazis. But tonight, it sure looks like the unsettled scores from World War II are being relitigated on Canadian soil. It is bizarre. Who do I blame? Hmm. Yeah. The government, external, other governments. We're at war. We are actually at war. Make no mistake of that. We are at war with Russia. I don't want to be at war with Russia. I don't have an issue with Russia. We shouldn't be at war with Russia, but we are because our government is at war with Russia. I don't like our government. I want our government to change. I want our, and when I say that, I mean, I want an election and I want Trudeau gone and I want whoever replaces him to end this damn war. That's what I want. But the reality is Canada is at war with Russia and so is the United States. By extension, we're almost at war with China and China and Russia are aligned. Now we have India engaging in apparently cyber attacks against Canada over the last couple of days, attacking government computer systems. Even our Department of Defense was hacked. Pretty concerning. India, China, Russia. Strange thing, too, you know, I saw the other day a video posted by somebody who likes to do a little hacking here in Canada. He's a freedom fighter, and he was talking about doing just that. Hacking Canadian government and non-governmental organization computers inside Canada. Laughing about it in the video as talk of this convoy was ramping up. Isn't that strange? It's true. Did they actually do it? The anonymous group? Who are they working for? Who are they working against? It's always kind of hard to tell. Which side are they on? Anybody's side? Disruption. Chaos, anarchy. Maybe that's the only real objective. Maybe it isn't so much to get somebody to go in and actually stage some sort of effective overthrow of a government or anything like that. Maybe it's just to cause disruption. And maybe it's justified. I mean, I don't want the government anymore. <laughs> I mean, I want the government. I've told you, I want the system. I just want a damn election. Other people want to take it further, as you can clearly see. Some people want Trudeau for treason. 
again, I think it's important for people to ask the question, I know what a lot of people are fighting against, but what are you fighting for? What do we get on the other side? What do you end up with if they're successful in achieving whatever it is they're hoping to achieve? And what exactly are the demands here? I don't know. They want to save the children, okay. How? What exactly is the demand? You want to save our resources, okay. How? What, what, what is it you want? You want to protect our rights, okay. Well, well how? And, 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 like, I mean, honestly, all of these, we're going to solve all the problems now. It's not just save the children. You're going to go down there and what, camp out on Parliament Hill or in Toronto or wherever you're going, because that's all cryptic too, cloaked in darkness. We don't know exactly where they're going. But what, you're going to camp out until the government comes up with solutions to everything? Or what is it? How, you're going to be there an awful long time. These are problems that have, uh, uh, haunted Canadians since before Confederation. And it seems like even though they all have one goal in common, and that is to, uh, I don't even know if they have one thing in common, except save the children. After that, it seems like a bunch of people have a different, bunch of different ideas. Anyway, that aside, let's just say they have a common goal. Well, they're lining up and they're, they're, they're getting it together. And they're arriving. And so this, this convoy, though, folks, is different than the other ones we've seen, the other one we saw. Um, what can I show you here? We have... These guys arriving. I have so many tabs open. There we go. Let's take a look at this. So we know that these guys are coming, and they've been very prominent online. You know, a lot of people follow Freedom George and Big Bear. There they are. I think this is from today. Yep. They're on their way. Let's go, they say. So they say they've landed in Ontario. Looks like they're at the airport. Looks like probably Toronto. So they're there and they're going, I guess. Let's go. They say. And what else do we know? We know that we have, and I'm coming back to the Nazi stuff. Um, okay, this is uh, Wayne Freedom posted this stuff recently. I'm not exactly sure how old this is. You may have seen this. I think this is from a day or two ago, and then I have another more recent post from today that is very important. So he posted this. Like 
Okay, so that's what they're doing there. And that does seem to be part of their strategy or has been over the past week is move around. Um, they're, they're kind of not posting very much on social media. And we know that uh, – was it not – was it yeah, – I'm losing track of my days. I think it was two days ago now, police in Toronto shut down streets in the downtown area because they thought the convoy was coming in. And then hours later, they reopened the streets because it didn't happen. So it does seem as though police are confused. So in that regard, they are having they're, – they're achieving what it is they want to do. Now, I, I, on that um, issue of the guy who was shot by police for threatening the prime minister, and, you know, that uh, is that really that far removed from wanting Trudeau for treason? I guess it is, sort of. One is threatening. I don't know what the exact post was that got that guy into trouble. It must have been something so serious that... It must have been some sort of physical violent threat. But Trudeau for treason, too. I mean, man, I don't know. When you say that, who, what, what is treason? That's uh, an act against the government to undermine the government, right? Trudeau's in power. But people are saying he abused his power, so he's guilty of treason, but he has a mandate from the people after having been elected and the authority to sign agreements overseas. So is he actually guilty of treason? That is a legal question that someone else will have to answer. I, I'm just asking. So where do we go from here? Well, you, in that, uh, in these social media posts, as a response to the arrest and shooting of that guy in Quebec who made those threats, I just bring this up here and look at the look at the comments that some of the people have made. There haven't been a lot because there hasn't been not very many people are even aware that that happened. Again, I find that very odd. Normally, when someone makes a threat against the prime minister or the president and they end up being shot by police, normally something like that gets a lot of media attention. It gets a lot of ink and a lot of airtime. But this, this, hardly a whisper. But a few people have picked up on it. And the response, only a few. Here's one here that says, Germaine LeMay should be brought to parliament and honored instead of arrested which gives you a sense of the mood out there. In addition to that, it was interesting. I saw at least one comment that made reference to me, which is fine, but it was just talking about all of the work that I did back during the one-year anniversary of the first convoy when that Winnipeg Unity event was held. And you may recall I expressed a lot of concern. Because I said, you know, that things might not be peaceful, what these people are planning to do. And I said that it was largely a recruitment effort out there. And it wasn't. And I was concerned that things might get violent at some point, which is exactly what 
police on guard, veterans for freedom, mama bears, and a lot of other people now who seem to be, I don't know, knowledgeable about something, are now expressing as well. And people at the time said that I was lying. I didn't lie about anything. Not one, not one word that came out of my mouth was a lie. I don't like liars. And so what are we looking at right now? Well, the person in the, in the, in that, the comment section there that I just showed you, they said that this seems to be just like the, the convoy plan that, that Rick Walker talked about. That's because it basically is. And you may remember that I said the plan would involve possibly a First Nations element. In fact, it was sort of integral to it. And what have we seen? Well, this plan, when first started, involved a First Nations element, a land claim. And it's all, and that First Nations land claim also revolves around the Métis in Canada and new rights given to the Métis, which is a community of mixed blood, First Nations and European together. But under these new rules or regulations, laws, and UNDRIP, the United Nations Declaration of Rights for Indigenous Peoples, they get the same kinds of rights as the original First Nations peoples in Canada. So there are a lot of concerns about that. Well, that's all a sort of very complicated element to this. But because there was all of that going on, we saw early on a declaration made to the government that was published in Canadian Trucking Magazine laying out exactly what I said they would, which is like a land claim involving... First Nations peoples. And I'm not sure if even that's in effect, but what I do know is what is happening this weekend. It's Reconciliation Day, the 30th. And what's going on on Parliament Hill? Well, we've had demonstrations up there, which is exactly what I said. And I'm, I'm not saying for sure, like that absolutely these things are connected. I'm because I don't know exactly what they're planning to do this time around. But I'm seeing this, and it's just uh, something that's making me ask questions. And I know for sure that that declaration made in Canadian Trucking Magazine was absolutely part of this plan. 150% it was and is. And we showed you that in Canadian Trucking Magazine. And now we have this event coming up on Saturday. And here's the Great Rebellion. Nothing against the Great Rebellion. He's just, Owen Swiderski is just uh, promoting this because, I mean, this event in itself, viewed by many, is this should be a very positive thing, right? So anyway, here it is, just to let you know that this is going on. Oh, here we go. Hang on. Come on, get up on this. The government's going to be there. I think Trudeau's going to be there. All right, people. You see that big stage there? 
This Saturday's Reconciliation Day. The government's going to be there. I think Trudeau is going to be there. So I think everyone should show up and give Trudeau a piece of our mind. This is ridiculous. He doesn't care about the natives. He doesn't care about the Indian indigenous. He doesn't give a shit about them. So I will be here Saturday. And I'll be front row and center. So when Trudeau goes up on that stage to, a, to try to make amends, I'll give him a piece of my mind. Because I'm, I'm allowed to voice my opinion. Yep. See you Saturday. You see that big stage there? This men's. Take that back. Okay, so. So that's going on Saturday. There's a First Nations element. Um, land claim, I guess, still in effect involving the Algonquin. That stuff gets very complicated, and I know there's been some separation of people within that group and uh, we'll see how that goes i i don't know that this thing tomorrow is is related in any way but that map and the declaration in canadian trucking magazine absolutely was and now this thing and now the convoy so that makes me just kind of wonder if something might happen there i just don't know just concerns me i'm just saying it's happening at the same time um, and the other thing that was posted before, and I don't know if this is happening because they're not posting much video of these convoys, and it appears there is more than one coming from various directions into Ontario. Um, I don't know if the flag with that swastika the First Nations flag that Adrian talked about, he they posted that that would be flying on some trucks heading uh, heading east in, in, in the convoy. That was a couple of weeks ago. So if that's happening, I don't know, but that's what they did state. So there you go. There's another element to everything I'm talking about right now. And so what do we have? Trucker Nazis fighting government Nazis, and vice versa, flying a First Nations flag with a swastika on it, and the Thunderbird symbol that is almost a carbon copy of the Nazi eagle. Carbon copy with a very minor alteration to it. I won't show it to you because a lot of people don't want to look at that symbol. Um, I disagree with it. But anyway, um, there's all that happening. And there's this, another post from, again, Wayne Freedom. This is from today. Now, I want you to listen very closely. Listen very closely. And I'll, I'll run it a couple of times here so you can hear what's being shouted at this event. 
Here we go. Listen to what is said. shouting about the communists and he talks about the Holodomor. I mentioned the Holodomor the other night. Made some people's heads blow up. If you don't know what the Holodomor is, that is a reference to the Great Famine in Ukraine between 1932 and 1933. Somewhere between estimates vary uh, somewhere between, say, 4 million and 7.5 million people are reported to have died of starvation. It's blamed by researchers, most of them um, United Nations and, uh, and Ukrainian researchers, historians, through eyewitness accounts, documentation, photographs, various other methods of research. They, uh, they, they say they've documented that number of deaths and they blame that famine, which is also described as a genocide by many, many countries around the world. They blame that on the policies of the communist Joseph Stalin. So these, this guy is there at the Save the Children convoy shouting about the Holodomor. The Holodomor is essentially Ukraine's Holocaust. It's a very sensitive issue. If you talk to somebody on the Russian side, they will take the position that it's a hoax, that it's a, that it's a lie. Joseph Stalin worked 
very hard to suppress any information about the Holodomor, the Great Famine. It's been government policy at times in Russia, and I think to a degree even today, that it's forbidden to even talk about it because it is so damaging to Russia's reputation. It's just a, something that is so horrific, the story, that it damages Russia. As much as I don't have an issue with Russia, you have to recognize that even today, especially today because Russia is at war, there are real restrictions on freedom of speech over there. You can't, for instance, show, if you're in Russia, if you're a journalist, you're not allowed to show burning buildings or buildings that have been blown up on the news, as I understand it, because they're at war. So they, of course, want to try to keep morale with the public up. So there's there's levels of censorship. You can talk about the war, but there's certain things you can and you can't talk about. And you you may you may notice that when we're talking about the war with people overseas, they they are careful with their wording. We still get you the information out, but it is what it is. There's censorship. Well, certainly when it was the old Soviet Union, there was severe censorship. We're all aware of that. And the Holodomor, in the eyes of many people, is a story, a genocide, that was covered up for a long time. And that's why even back in the 1980s, a lot of work, a lot of research was done to bring that out to the forefront. I happen to mention it in passing here, and it is a horrific story. I can also tell you that I personally have met survivors, and I've heard stories firsthand from people who survived it. And I have no reason to doubt what they told me. They had no reason at the time to lie because I was just in conversation with them. Now, most of those people, if not all of them, I think are probably have probably passed on. They were quite elderly when I spoke to them, but they told me horrific tales of the starvation, of the death now, I could get into the story and tell you what that's all about, but it's sufficient here for this discussion tonight for you to understand that for Ukrainians, the Holodomor is their Holocaust. And for someone to deny that it happens, that is just to them like Holocaust denial. Ukraine has a very tragic history it's been it's suffered so many times because it's the doorway to russia and uh it's a prime piece of geopolitical real estate it's grain the breadbasket of europe it's ports the black access to the black sea So the people there have suffered so much because of its value as a military asset strategically, its value as a place to generate food. So they get caught up in the middle. They get caught in the middle of conflicts. That is really what has happened even today. 
That's why we need to end the damn war there. The people of Ukraine are suffering again. And just like us right now, we're being forced to choose a side. We don't want to. We just want to be Canadians, live our lives. But this conflict has come home to Canada. Not that it really had a home here. We gave people homes here. People who, at the time, were forced to choose a side. And believe me when I say that it doesn't matter which damn side you were on in World War II, all sides committed atrocities. Every country. Because it's a damn war. And people are killed in wars. Perhaps some more guilty than others. The Holocaust, do I believe it happened? Damn right. The Holodomor, do I believe that it happened? Damn right. Is every detail on either of these stories accurate today? Probably not. Doesn't matter. These things happened. Facts get distorted over time. The problem is these old wounds have never healed. And today, it's being, as I say, relitigated on Canadian soil. People don't even realize they're fighting the damn war. They think they're out there saving the children, when in reality, they're being manipulated and used to fight the damn war because everything is being fed to people by social media because it is fifth generation warfare because everybody is being subjected to one degree or another a giant psyop to get people jacked up and are these issues like saving the children and Canadian rights and all of these things yes they're absolutely issues they absolutely are But what happened during the pandemic was also part of this giant geopolitical fifth generation warfare effort to globalize our system of government. It's the, this struggle between globalism and nationalism. It's so hard for people to wrap their heads around it because it's so complex. But the reality is it's manifesting itself in a frontline battle right now before your eyes in the context of this convoy. This is not just about saving the children. This is Canadians fighting Canadians. This is Canadians fighting their own government. This is... Is it fascists and Nazis fighting fascists and Nazis? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't think all those people there are Nazis. I don't think every member of parliament that stood up and applauded is a Nazi either. Guilt by association, guilt by laziness, uh, guilt by stupidity, guilt by lack of education... But what's in their heart? What's in their head? Do they want to, what, exterminate Jews? I don't think our members of parliament want to exterminate the Jewish people. There's a whole lot of guilt that's been laid on Canadians. The whole damn country now 
being portrayed internationally as the new Nazi Germany. The country has been thrown into a state of anarchy. Yeah, we still have peace, order, and good government, do we? No. Everything has been flipped and turned and twisted because of a complete lack of real leadership by our prime minister, who yesterday, Jeff Evely says, might actually be working for the other side. And you know what? I'm beginning to think he might just damn well be right. Could you screw it up this bad by accident? No, I mean, it's almost got to be on purpose. You have to let this crap happen. But then again, man, I don't know. This is just so bizarre. But we do have Canadians fighting Canadians. We have Canadians. Look at this. You have, look at what happened during the Million March for Children. In some places, you had Antifa in the streets fighting the freedom people. And I'm going to call them freedom people because they're all out there fighting for parental rights and freedom for children. And, you know, they had a sort of a defined goal, which was a good thing, which is why it was so successful. But then you've got clashes between the anti-fascists and people that are now being portrayed as a bunch of fascists. Fascists versus fascists. uh, Freedom people versus neoliberal woke people. The, The labels don't even apply anymore. It's it. They just don't. Not in the not in the old context. But I'll tell you, this thing here, it is predicated on this this convoy, the first convoy too. That all happened. The foundation for everything around that was the mandates, right? The the the, the pandemic, the the government overreach. That's why people went, and that's why it was so huge and such an uh, an organic thing. It just evolved on its own. But this this is a, an aberration of that. This is an extension of that. I mean, you're barely hearing them even talk about vaccines, mandates, and those issues that the first convoy was predicated on. This thing, this thing has evolved into something completely different. And I understand why people are upset, and I know what the issues are, but it's everything from central bank digital currency to... What? Like, our saving our resources? And yet in people's minds, it's like the last chance. We have to go. It's, it's, it's our only last opportunity. Let's go, go, let's go. Freedom. And then look it up the whole lot of more. Why? Because it's the wounds of the past being poked, not even reopened. They never healed. They've been there all along. All that it took was someone to throw a little salt on the open wound. Get people jacked up and get them out there. And here we go. Let's go! Look it up, you Google idiots! The Holodomore! Your right. You're 
communists who drove us into starvation by the millions. Look it up, you fucking Google idiots. Look it up. Oh, no, no more. Look it up. And you have who? You got Miss Freeland out there. You got this fucking Freeland out there holding an Acer flag. Who do you have out there? Christia Freeland out there, he says. with And she's referring to the Banderite flag, which is Stepan Bandera, Nazi. I'm telling you. People like to think of these things in black and white terms. But you can't anymore because they don't really apply. Now, they're going to sell this to you, to us, as black and white. They're going to sell this to us as communism versus fascism. And you'll be asked to pick a side. And you know what they will say to you? They will say, fascism came to the West after World War II but it was rebranded as anti-communism. That's what they will say. That's what they do say. Beware of that, because that forces you to choose. It gives you only two choices. You can either join the anti-communists, which means by default you are a fascist slash Nazi, or you can be a communist and fight, fight the good fight. Or... If you are anything else, if you're not going to join the communist side, then I guess you must be on the anti-fascist side. So you're, you're really given two choices. You're either going to be with the anti-fascists, which are really Nazis, which they will say is these guys, or you can be with the communists and fight the good fight, or... Wait a minute, the government's supposed to be fascist too, but aren't they supposed to be communists? I'll tell you right now, Justin Trudeau is a globalist. That's a hybrid thing. That's international governance. That is international collectivism. That is a new form of international collectivism which takes the elements of communism and fascism slash Nazism, combines them, to make this new thing, globalism. That's what he is. Now, how much, how fascist is it versus how communist? You can decide. It's authoritarian regardless because at the end of the day, you end up with a global government that is not elected, dictating to countries around the world what the international rules-based order is supposed to be or is. And then, because there's only one world government, they dictate. That's collectivism and authoritarianism and a transfer of sovereignty to people that we have no sway over and we do lose our sovereignty, even though we keep our sovereignty. So yes, that is not right. On the other side, you've got the freedom fighters, but then they stand there and... In this case, they're shouting about the Holodomor. They're talking about the communists, and they're quite right as well, in my, in my view. 
that that is also authoritarianism, collectivism, and they're worried about that. But because they even mention the Holodomor, they are now, in the eyes of the communists, a bunch of Nazis. But isn't a Ukrainian allowed to mourn what they view as a genocide committed upon their people without being labeled a Nazi? Could you not afford at least a little bit of compassion that way? But then again, it's being used as a tool, right? To get people upset. That's why Russia doesn't want people talking about it. Gets people very upset. The Holocaust, that gets people very upset too. And let's face it, that's used as a tool as well, right? Of course it is. To keep people in check, to make sure people don't forget. So that things like that aren't supposed to happen again. And yet here we are. Here we are, folks. (sighs) Do you see how it's connected? I'm not conflating. You see, because we are at war with Russia, because China is in the mix, because India is in the mix, all these countries, of course, they're going to work to destabilize things here because they want, the, they want to win the war in Ukraine. So they want to, if they can, destabilize things here in Canada and the United States and inside other NATO countries. So there are ongoing efforts using information warfare and other means as well, like computer hacking, which we just saw India engage in against Canada's government. But if they can disrupt things here, they'll damn well do it. And if they can have the government removed, have Trudeau replaced, that causes more disruption. And maybe they'll get somebody else in there who will, uh, you know, end the war, cut the funding. That would benefit, right? Russia. I don't blame Russia for doing it. I, I don't. It's war. I'm just, but I'm going to, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just going to tell you the damn truth. It's what's going on. And I know like my co-host Lori, she's pro-Russian. She says so. She's right up front about it. She might have other things to say about this. I'm sure she would. My guess is she'd probably blame all this on the CIA. And I think maybe they had a hand in this too. You know why? Because they're concerned about their national security. And as Canada is disrupted, I think by these other countries, the BRICS nations, that we are essentially at war with folks. We're just not, uh, not quite to the point of launching ICBMs at each other. But as things become destabilized here, I think there are concerns that, say, China might actually get a foothold here or maybe even Russia. But I think the larger concern in the minds of at least people like, uh, you know, Donald Trump and uh, the people in his sphere, his circle, they're concerned about Russia. And so if you have increased Russian influence here or, or sorry, Chinese influence, then, yeah, or, or either 
Now suddenly that's on the doorstep of the United States. They see the threat. That's why they had that Lieutenant Steve Rogers had people write those SOS letters. Save our souls. Thousands of people wrote down there to give the U.S. government justification for a possible actual invasion of Canada. So they've got that in their back pocket if they need it. How serious is that? I don't know how much weight that really holds, but you can connect the dots. And then you have J- Jackson Hinkle also saying multiple times on various broadcasts that he also thinks that might be a good idea just to invade Canada, just to prevent somebody from getting, uh, you know, getting control of the country, another, another country like China coming in here. So let's just invade them and just take them over. Sort of casually saying it. Tucker Carlson even talked about it. How serious is all that? I don't, I don't know. I think we're still a ways off from that, folks. But this is what's going on. Complex, isn't it? Now, maybe I'm down a rabbit hole. But you know what? Back when I was doing all that work, journalistic work, talking about the one-year anniversary of the convoy and how I thought things might actually get a little bit spicy. And I was concerned because I saw I said that it threatened to destroy the freedom movement. I said I, was, I, I wasn't lying. And now some people are acknowledging that, yeah, maybe I had something there. And I won't tell you who, but somebody messaged me today. And I don't mean to say, I hate to say it, but I told you so. But I did appreciate somebody messaging me today and saying, today I eat crow. Well, I don't want anyone to eat crow. I just appreciate people acknowledging that I was just straight up honest about things, and I still am, and that my objective here is just to keep people safe, to tell people the truth so that we can somehow find our way out of this damn mess and find a path to peace. How are we going to do that? Don't know. It feels like we're running out of time. And it feels like this kind of thing that we're watching right now, it feels to me like there's the potential that it plunges into a civil war, which I do not want. I don't want this country torn apart. I love this country. And I'm sorry, but it is not the second coming of Nazi Germany. You want to go down that road, I'll start digging out stats and facts and show you all kinds of warts and cesspools in other countries too. Every country is guilty of sins. Every country is guilty of all kinds of atrocities if they've ever been involved in any war. Every nation, even First Nations, acknowledge some of the terrible things that were done a long time ago that they did to each other. It happens everywhere. It's always happened. We have to find a way to 
learn from the past and put it behind us. Not grab a hold of it and let it fester and spoil and just destroy us. We can't do that. We have to learn to live together. Justice? Okay. You want justice for Yaroslav. You want justice committed upon. Bring him to justice. Yaroslav Hunka. All right. 98 years old. Why was he allowed to come to Canada in the first place? I don't know. Maybe someone looked the other way. Maybe people looked the other way for a long time. I don't know what the guy did. I said he deserves a trial. Everybody deserves a trial if they're accused of a crime. Maybe they will extradite him to Poland. Maybe that's what has to happen. I don't feel I'm in a position to judge. I just pray for peace. That's all I'm saying. And I think everybody is entitled to due process. But more than that, I just think we need to stop looking for revenge. And find a way to live together so that we don't have to kill each other. God help us all, folks, on this 29th day of September 2023. We have people rolling across the country right now in a convoy to... I don't even know do what. But it doesn't feel good. It's not like the last time with people cheering from the overpasses, waving Canadian flags, expressing for the first time in a long time Canadian pride, embracing the flag again, which represents the people. And the sacrifices that were made over so many years by Canadians, by our soldiers who fought fascism and Nazism and also authoritarianism of all kinds, all brands of it. To create a country that is tolerant. Tolerance. No, Justin, we don't move beyond tolerance because when you move beyond tolerance, you find coercion. Tolerance is in the middle. When you move beyond it, you move to the extremes. No, Justin. We need to get back to tolerance. Which means I may not agree with you. I may not even like you. I may even hate your freaking guts. But I tolerate you. So that we may live in peace. That's tolerance. And that is the only way we will ever be able to live in peace. Because as I said the other night... 
the government, Justin, the neoliberals, they keep telling us diversity is our strength. No, it isn't. Diversity is our challenge. A challenge that has been thrust upon us. A challenge that was first thrust upon the First Nations peoples when the first settlers arrived here and stayed. And they were, they've become tolerant of us. And then it has become thrust upon us this, this challenge again and again and again and again. As more and more newcomers come to the country. And we as Canadians have opened them, welcomed them with open arms, whether they're refugees, people coming from war-torn countries, seeing other kinds of oppressive regimes, whatever. People come here. Sometimes they just come because it's the promised land. It was a land of freedom. People came here to get away from all of that crap. Or so we thought, so we were told, so we hoped. But too many people to this very day have come here and they have brought their political baggage, their cultural baggage, all of the negative things, they bring that with them. I guess it's inevitable to some degree, but then they, these problems manifest themselves again here. It's not, the, it's not why you came here. That's not what this country was about. So we need to stop getting involved so much in these wars overseas. Canada is supposed to be, supposed to be, a peacekeeping nation. And we need to get back to that. And if we never were there, then we need to get there. I don't have anything against Russia. I don't have a problem with Russia. I think that this damn war in Ukraine never had to happen. It's it's NATO expansionism that caused this conflict, as far as I'm concerned. And there have been opportunities for peace, and I've acknowledged all of that. Ukraine should have been left as a neutral country, a buffer zone. That was the solution. It still is the solution. And I think we're going to end up with that solution in the end. But now, a whole lot of blood has been spilled. And Russia is doing what Russia is supposed to do when you're at war. They're fighting back. And they're going to do whatever they have to do to win. Use every tool at their disposal. And if what I'm witnessing here is the result to some degree, and I don't think it's just the Russians, I think it's probably the CIA and China and India and probably every other little country in the world too taking a chip out of Canada right now. But if Russia's involved, I don't really blame them. Because if I were Vladimir Putin, I'd do this too. 
Who do I blame? I blame Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, all the warmongers, Justin Trudeau, and Christian frickin' Freeland. Because they're the ones who pushed and continue to push and won't let go and don't even want to talk about peace. Even if it costs us our country, they're putting it all on the line. That's what they're doing in order to hold on to their power and their wealth. And we're paying the price. We always do. Peasants. Ants. Insects. That's us. Let us fight amongst each other. What good is history? If it's only written by the victors, how can you possibly get to truth there? What are we following? What disinformation are they feeding us today to get us to fight amongst ourselves and to rebel against our own government? How twisted is this? In a situation like this, it seems to me the only winning move is to not play. That's what it seems like to me. Krista Freeland, though, she likes to play, doesn't she? She sure does. Remember during the Emergencies Act, lawyer Brendan Miller brought up that Nazi flag that was seen on Parliament Hill. And uh, he suggested that wouldn't it be embarrassing for the government if somehow that flag were in some way tied back to the government. Tonight, folks, I'm going to leave you with this. That moment at the EA where we should have been paying even more attention than we did. That moment when Christa Freeland, when her true colors were really exposed by a brilliant lawyer representing the people. Right. And one of your concerns, uh, of course, with transparency and our reputation uh, was that you would want your government to be as transparent as possible, right? Again, here, I do believe that transparency and accountability are important, but I also recognize that cabinet confidentiality in Not many this. issues needs to yeah. be preserved for a reason. 
and you know there there are areas where transparency is not appropriate and i recognize that as well okay can you agree with me if you know anytime it comes out that the canadian government has misled, misled canadians on something it really hurts our international reputation doesn't it i think that the canadian government should always seek not to mislead canadians right first and foremost because that's wrong and that is not the way we should treat canadians and in the many statements that have been said uh, by all the politicians in this matter uh, one of the main things they talked about and justin trudeau did particularly uh, on the uh, following the first weekend of the invocation of the emergencies act was these horrible horrible the Nazi flag and all those things that people saw in Ottawa. You heard him say that? Again, I have to say <clears throat> prior to coming here, I have not specifically reviewed specific statements of the prime minister. If you want to point to a specific one, yeah. maybe we could discuss it. You'd agree if it turned out those flags were linked to your government, that would look really bad for our international reputation, wouldn't it? Based on some... This has been a Maverick Multimedia Group. Thank